The following audio is from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Acts is available at actschurchleander.com. Well, if you have been with us at all this year, you know that we have been in a a year-long series that we're doing called The Story. Uh, We're doing that in, in coinciding with a book by the same name. Uh, and we, we have them for sale for five bucks if you want them. They haven't gone up. Uh, so if, if you'd like to pick one up, you can talk to Sandy in our entryway on the, the way out. But at any rate, basically what we're doing in the story is we're walking through the entire narrative of the Bible, the entire narrative of Scripture. And so we spent the first part of the year, January to May, just covering the Old Testament. And so from January to May, we, we saw the, the story of God as it begins to unfold, that he creates this world good, but that very quickly uh, we fall away, we rebel against God, but God very quickly starts to begin to put the pieces back together. And in the Old Testament, the way God does that is he walks alongside a people that he's created called the nation of Israel. And so he walks alongside them and begins to put the pieces back together of his fallen creation. But all along as he's doing that, he tells his people, hey, a day is coming Uh, When I'm going to send a guy, I'm going to send a savior, I'm going to send a Messiah who's going to put the world back to right. He's going to make things the way it should be. And that's where we ended in May. And then this summer we did a bunch of different stuff. And then last week we started the New Testament. And in the New Testament we see that God's promise to send a Messiah, God's promise to send a savior is fulfilled. And it's fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And so uh, Pastor Barrett was here last week, and, and he talked to us about that. We had a little bit of a uh, Christmas in October uh, festival, I guess. Uh, and uh, and it, was, it was great, and we looked at how Jesus came to, to be with us. He came to be present with us. And so today we kind of take the next step in that journey. We say, okay, Jesus came, he was present, but what was his point? Like, why did he come? What was his purpose? What was his message? And that's really what we're going to focus on today is what was Jesus' message when he was here on this earth? And see, here's why this matters. I think we, we live at a time where oftentimes we wonder if Jesus' message is really relevant. If these words he spoke 2,000 years ago really actually matter today, if they, they actually make sense to us today, if they can really be applied to where we're at. Uh, here's what I mean. Some of you know that a, uh, a few weeks ago, I was not here uh, because I was doing a wedding uh, at a music festival in Utopia, Texas, uh, which was awesome. More stories on that later. But, uh, but, but for today's purposes, uh, it was really awesome for me because, as some of you know, if, if I wasn't a pastor, like, my dream job was to be a rock star. So this was like the beautiful combining of both worlds. Uh, and so, so got to do that. But the, the couple I was marrying are, are good friends of mine that, that live in the area, uh, and they're both not Christians, uh, kind of adamantly so. Uh, but they asked me, a Christian pastor, to do their wedding, uh, which made planning the ceremony, like, really awkward, you know? Like, so we, we, uh, we sat, I still remember, we sat down for the first meeting, and they're like, Gabe, oh, we're really excited you're doing the ceremony, but hey, could you just, like, not do any of that God stuff? I was like, that is, like, my entire hand, you know? Like, I don't know what card I'm supposed to play here without that, you know? Took it out from under me. Uh, at any rate, and so I was like, all right, you know, that's fine. And so we, we talked through it, and, and, and we figured it out, and um, I got to say a prayer. Big deal, I know. Uh, so at any rate, got to do that. Uh, but as I was talking to them, I, I said, hey, listen, I, I know you guys aren't Christians, but as, as we kind of, as you head into marriage, it's, it's probably important you know where each other's at spiritually. Like, have you had that conversation? You know, where, where are you guys at? What do you believe ultimately about this world? Uh, and they shared with me, yeah, we had, and they shared with me what they believed. And, uh, and they said, it's basically this, uh, which I don't think they're alone in this. They're kind of like, yeah, we believe there's, there's something else 
out there, that it's more than just meets the eye in this world. But, but we don't really want to put any hard definition on that. We don't want to speak any real clarity. We just think there's probably some sort of something spiritual out there. And I said, okay, that, that's fine. And, and then I, was, I figured that would kind of be the end of the conversation. But then my buddy goes, he goes, Gabe, I, I just want you to know, uh, you know, I think it's fine you're a Christian. I was like, thank you. Um, <laughs> me, me too. Uh, uh, but, uh, but he goes, I, I just want you to know, like, the, the way I see it, he says, you're a Christian. So what that means is you're just living in kind of your little Christian house. And he says, and all you can see is what you can see out your window of your house. And he says, and at the same time, there's the guy living in his little Muslim house. And all he can see is the window outside of his house. And then there's the guy in his Hindu house and in the Buddhist house and that sort of thing. On and on. And he goes, but me, I'm out on the street. And I can see all the houses. And I can see what's inside all of them, and I can take what I want and see what's true from each of them. Now, I won't lie to you. Like, I really, really wanted to say, like, a really snarky remark in response to that, right? I mean, because there's there's just so many holes in that philosophical argument, right? Like, we don't have time for that today, right? And and I really want to do more of that today, but it's not a nice thing to do, and I'm a pastor, so I'm supposed to be nice, at least up front. So that's that's what I'm going to do. But I don't think he's alone in his thinking. Right? I, I don't think he's the only one out there that would share that point of view. In fact, I think many times, and probably many of us, wrestle with this idea that Jesus Christ's message is actually for all people. That Jesus Christ's message is for all times. That Jesus Christ's message is for all places. I think that's a common struggle that people have because the reality is we live in a very complex world. It is constantly shifting, it's constantly changing, and we're constantly seeing that happen right in front of our faces, right? We're, we're more interconnected to the world around us than we ever have been before. And so we look at this complex world, and we experience the near constant shift of our culture, and all of a sudden, Jesus' simple message just doesn't seem to be able to address everything. It seems a bit overly simplistic. What we're going to see in our text for today is this. The simple message of Jesus Christ is actually exactly what we need to hear today. That the message of Jesus Christ speaks directly to where we're at because it's bigger than what we think is the first thing we'll see. Second thing we'll see is that when Jesus speaks his message, he tells us that the situation is worse than we think. And thirdly, that the hope he offers is better than we think. Okay? It's bigger than we think. It's worse than we think. It's better than we think. That's what we're going to see today. So let's get going. It's bigger than you think. So in our text, uh, we read that Nicodemus, who's a a religious leader of the Jewish people, he he shows up to Jesus at night and he says, hey, Jesus, we noticed the the things you've been teaching and the things you've been doing is pretty incredible. The the hand of God must really be on you. And Jesus just interrupts him. He goes, okay. And he says this to me. He goes, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus gets really confused, right? And he responds to Jesus. Look with me at verse 4. He says this. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? you got to imagine, like, how uncomfortable this is for Nicodemus, right? Like, he's meeting with Jesus, this kind of popular teacher at his time, and is just thinking, like, hey, I'm just going to pay this guy a compliment. Bro, God is just really blessing you. Jesus says, unless one is born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. What? 
What's he supposed to do with that, right? So he's, so he's terribly confused. Well, what is going on here? What's Jesus doing? Well, it's as if Jesus is anticipating Nicodemus' logic. He's anticipating his line of thinking. Because here's the deal. Nicodemus would have been a scholar of the Old Testament. He would have known God's word. And so he would have known that the Messiah was coming. He would have known what the Messiah was going to do, what the Messiah was going to say, how things were going to happen. And so Nicodemus sees Jesus, sees what he's doing, hears what he's saying, and he says, oh, man, this is the guy. This is the dude. This is the guy that's going to bring in this age of God's healing rule and reign. He's going to be the one to overthrow our oppressors, namely the Romans. He's going to be the one to make everything that's unjust in this world right again. He's going to bring healing completely. And guess what? In one sense, Nicodemus is right that ultimately Jesus will restore this world completely. But Jesus stops Nicodemus' train of thought here. He stops him and he says, bro, the work I'm doing now is bigger than just political and social change. He says, the work I'm doing now is the bigger than the, than the hope of just one nation. Listen to what Jesus says in verses 5 through 6. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So what's Jesus getting at here? What he's telling Nicodemus and what he's telling us is this. What needs to be fixed in the human race, what needs to be fixed in humanity, what's wrong with us, is much bigger than the problems that bubble up to the surface of society. It's much bigger than the political or social change that we need. No, no, no. Jesus says the biggest issue for humanity is not political. It's not social. He says the biggest issue is spiritual. He says, humanity, you're all dead spiritually. And so he says, my purpose here is not to, to bring about social change. My purpose here is not to bring about political change. My purpose here is to bring about spiritual change. I'm not here to make good people better. I'm here to bring dead people to life. you got to be born again. you got to have the spirit of life breathe new life into you. And someone says, okay, pastor. Okay. So Jesus' message isn't political or, or social right now. It's, it's spiritual. But how is that bigger? And how does that actually address issues today? Like how does that, that actually work? That doesn't make sense to me. All right. Let's look at an issue. Uh, so this past Thursday, uh, you all know that our, our country um, experienced another tragic mass shooting. And uh, this time it was at a community college in Oregon. And uh, some of you may have seen the, the article that was on the Washington Post almost immediately after this happened. And, uh, and the author of this post uh, writes this article, and, and he gives us two numbers to look at. And the first number he gives us is how many days there have been so far in 2015. And the second number he gives us is how many mass shootings there have been in 2015. And he defines a mass shooting as, as any shooting in which there's four or more victims um, of, of the crime. There's been 274 days in 2015. There's been 294 mass shootings in 2015 in our country. So that's 20 more shootings than there have been days in a year. Like, that's crazy. Now calm down, Texas, 
all right? Not about to make a political statement. Keep your shirts on, all right? Uh, I know we have people from both sides of the aisle here. I see your Facebook news feeds. We're all very upset, okay? Big deal, okay? Because here's the deal, because we know this. Underneath all the social, the cultural, the political, the familial, the individual factors that, that are part of this epidemic of violence in our culture, there is a root cause, and it's sin. It's sin. That's the root cause. That at the absolute center of all the hate and destruction in our world is sin. That, that all of humanity has turned away from our loving creator. And we've separated ourselves from the source of life, the source of love, the source of that which is good. And we remain spiritually dead in our sin. That is the root problem. And insofar as we stay dead spiritually, we will continue to foster the roots of hate and violence that have destroyed so many lives. And so what Jesus says in this text is he says, listen, it's not enough for me to fix the symptoms. He says, it's not enough for me to fix just what's bubbling to the surface. He says, no, the issue is spiritual. I'm going down to the roots. People got to be brought to life by the Spirit. You need the living God to breathe new life into you again. You see, his message is bigger than you think. And then he goes on and he tells us that our situation is, is worse than we think. Jesus is saying, my message is bigger than you think. It's spiritual. I've got to go to the root of things. But then he says this. He says, uh, it, it's, and, and, and Nicodemus says to him, sorry, Nicodemus says to him, like, how does that work? So you've got to go to the root of things. You've got to be born again. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? And Jesus answers him. Look with me at verses 13 to 15. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And so what Jesus says here is verse 13. He says, you're not going to fix you spiritually. He says, you're not going to fix you. You're not going to ascend to heaven. You're not going to get yourself up there. You can't do enough to earn yourself. He says, ah, but one is going to come down from heaven. He's going to descend. He's going to make things right. And so the question is, well, well how, how is Jesus going to make, he's the one that came down, by the way, son of man. He says, how, how is he going to make things right? In verse 14, he says, this is how. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. What? He's going to make things right the way Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness? Like, what is he talking about? For those of you Bible scholars, you already know, okay? Good, we're all very proud of you. For those that maybe don't, let me just explain to you. Nicodemus would know what he was talking about. Numbers 21. The nation of Israel has been wandering around the wilderness uh, for several years. And they, they start to get grumpy, and they start to complain, and they say, God, we want to go back to slavery. This is terrible. You've got bad plans, God. They, they mock him. They complain. They whine. And so God sends snakes, because uh, he can do that. And, uh, and, uh, and the snakes start biting the people, and they start dying. So everyone starts freaking out. They say, oh, my gosh, we, we need to repent. We've made a huge mistake. Uh, and so, so they go to Moses, and they say, Moses, tell God we're sorry. We shouldn't have been mocking him. We shouldn't have been complaining him. And Moses says, all right, I'll talk to God. So he talks to God, and God says, all right, this is what you've got to do, Moses. Take a bronze snake, put it up on a pole. And anyone who gets bit by a snake, when they look up at the pole, they won't die. They'll be healed. They just look up at the snake on the pole, and they'll be healed. So what Jesus is saying here is this. He's saying the whole world, all of humanity, is in the same place that the Israelites were in the desert. 
that we fall under God's judgment, that we're facing inevitable death, that the snakes are around us and they're biting us, and the only hope we have is to look up. And so Jesus says, I'm going to be raised up. What he's referencing there is that he's going to go to the cross. He's going to pay the price for the sins of you and me and for the whole world. He says, anyone who looks up to me, in other words, anyone who believes in me, will have eternal life. They'll be saved. Now, I say that, and someone says, come on, man. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Like, this archaic message of sin and God's judgment. Bro, we're kind of over that, all right? No one's threatened anymore. Just, just calm down, all right? That's not really relevant to our situation. Is that so? Is that so? So this past Thursday, a, uh, a friend of mine got he and I tickets to see one of my, my favorite bands of all time, uh, Brand New. Uh, by the way, he worships here like four times a year, and he got me tickets to see Brand New. So those of you that are regular attenders, just throwing it out there. If you want to up the ante, it's cool, all right? Um, so killed at 930. So all right, anyways. Um, so uh, the, the concert, though, it was incredible, super fun. Uh, and, and it was really great. And then Brand New walked off the stage, and they did the thing that all bands do now, right, where they walk off the stage, but the house lights mysteriously don't go up, and they just wait there for two minutes for everyone to shout and cheer for them to do an encore. You know what I'm talking about, right? So they did that, which, by the way, side note, I'm so over that. Like, I don't have time for it, bro. Like, we all know you're going to come back out, all right? I got kids at home. Don't make me feed your ego. Just stay there, play it. House lights, canned music. Let's go home, right? I have time for it. Anyways, my rant aside... Uh, brand new, they come back on, and, and they play a song, and the riff they play, they go in, they hadn't played this song all night, but everyone knew they were going to do it, and they came out and they play the riff for this song called Jesus Christ. And, uh, and brand new is in no way a, a, a Christian band, whatever that means, uh, but, but they came in and they start doing it, and the crowd just goes nuts, right? Loudest they've been all night, screaming these lyrics at the top of their lungs, like just going crazy. I just want to share some of the lyrics with you, okay? It says this, well, Jesus Christ, I'm not scared to die. I'm a little bit scared of what comes after. I know you're coming in the night like a thief, but I've had some time alone to hone my lying technique. I know you think that I'm someone you can trust, but I'm scared I'll get scared, and I swear I'll try to nail you back up. I know you're coming for the people like me. We all got wooden nails and tongue-tied at hate factories. Now, I'll share these lyrics with you to point this out. People sang this song, top their lungs, Hands held high, not at church, right? They sang it at Emos, East Riverside. It's part of ACL Late Night. Why? Why did that happen? Of course, it's an awesome song, no doubt. But could it also be that we all know that it's not just mass shooters that are filled with darkness and hate inside of them, but that each one of us has a piece of us that is dark, that is turned, that is in rebellion against God? And we know that judgment is probable. That we fear that reality. Could it be that our spiritual and moral condition as human beings is actually worse than we think it is? That it's worse than whatever shiny veneer or self-help book or Hallmark card or white picket fence we want to put up around our own psyche so we don't have to stare at the darkness of our soul is? Could that be the case? Could it be that we actually need to be saved from ourselves? That we actually need to be saved from our sin? I think yes. I think yes. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus' message is, you do, 
and you will be. And it's even better than you can imagine. It's even better than you can imagine. Look with me at John 3, 16 through 17. You may have heard it before. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So here's been the message so far. Jesus says, you're spiritually dead. You need to have new life breathed into you. Jesus says, the snakes are biting. Sin has you under God's judgment. And it's into that message that Jesus speaks these words. That he says, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world, not God so tolerated the world, not God so put up with the world, not God felt so obligated to the world, but God so loved the world. And that whoever believes in him, and I love that, whoever believes in him, not the good people, not the smart people, not the people from this culture, not the people at this time, not the people at this place, but all people in all times, in all places, whoever And that includes any of you who are hearing my voice right now. Whoever believes in him would have eternal life. That those words are true for you. That God so loves you that he sent his son into this world. That God loves you so much that Jesus has sent his spirit into your life that you might be born again. That God so loves you that as you look up to your Savior on the cross You know that he pays the price for your sins, that there's no judgment anymore. There's no fear. There's no condemnation. There is just love from your creator. You're brought back in line with him. You see, that's Jesus' message. And and it is better than we could ever imagine. And it's for you. And it's for all people, at all places, at all times even in the hardest of times. If you guys come back with me to Oregon for a second. Um, So many of you probably saw this too, but I think it's it's amazing. Um, Shortly after the news broke out about it, uh, it also uh, came to the attention of of the media, I guess, that um, what would happen with the shooter is he'd do this. One of the girls texted this to to someone, the girls who was in the classroom as the shooter was going around, is he would tell people to, to stand up and he'd ask them if they were Christians. And if they said no, he shot them in the leg. If they said yes, he said good, because you're about to see God in a second, and he shot him in the head. Now you think about that. Like, if after seeing that happen to the first guy, I'm going to start to think about how I actually answer that question, right? What would drive people to say yes in that situation? How could you possibly say yes, knowing what the consequence would be? Here's how. They knew Jesus' message. And they knew it was true for them. And they knew it was better than we could ever imagine. They knew that his message is bigger than our circumstances. That it's bigger than the struggles we face. They know that new life in his spirit has happened to them and nothing can take that away. They know that no matter how big their past is, how big their sin is, they have a Savior who's even bigger, who's taking care of all things. They know of a God who loves them so much 
that he sent his son to give them eternal life. And what that means for them is that death is not the end of the story, but that they have the hope of eternity with their Savior. See, it's in the darkest and the messiest and the hardest times that the message of Jesus rings true, rings clear. And his message of hope and forgiveness and eternal life is for you. It's for you. So won't you trust that today? Won't you look to him today and see that his hope is better than anything you can imagine? Let's go to him. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your message. That we need you, Lord, that we can't fix us, that, that sin has separated us from you, that, that the, the, the roots of sin are within each of us, but God, you have come to us. Not because you had to, not because you were guilted into it, not because you felt obligated, but because you love us that much. You care for each person here, and Lord, I, I just pray for my friends. I pray they would know that. That out of love, you went to the cross. That out of love, you chose us. May we find our hope in you this day and always. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.